This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Mastering Innovation on Business Radio. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mastering Innovation on SiriusXM's Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Harbir Singh, co-director of the Mac Institute and a professor of management. Just a reminder, we are live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and the show replays a few times throughout the week. If you have any questions during today's show, call us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. I'm thrilled to welcome our first guest, Seth Berger. Seth is a renowned sports industry entrepreneur and currently supervising the Sixers Innovation Lab, crafted by Kimball overseeing recruitment, assessment, development, and investment in startups. Seth is best known as the founder of And One as well in the sticker and, and sports business. Seth, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Abir. Appreciate it. So tell me more about the Sixers Innovation Lab. Sixers Innovation Lab focuses, as you said, on seed and early-stage businesses. We really try to focus on technology, sports, and entertainment, but quite mm-hmm. frankly, um, I'm a B2C guy, so we re- we really open to any businesses in B2C. Mm-hmm. How the Sixers Innovation Lab is unique in a space of really successful uh, innovation labs like YC and Techstars is that we take fewer, bigger bets every year. We'll okay. make a maximum of five or six investments. We'll invest up to a million dollars in any company on the way in. Mm-hmm. And the leverage um, that we can provide companies with you know, Josh Harris and David Blitz are great, successful business people in private equity, so they know what businesses need. Mm-hmm. And they also, quite frankly, have the connections and resources mm-hmm. to aid any any startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the other thing I would say that, for me, it's just been this amazing experience. You know, exactly. I'm, the two things I want to do with my life are have fun and make a difference. And I get to spend hours upon hours upon hours with young startup entrepreneurs. And that process of... Uh, mentoring and coaching entrepreneurs is great. We don't really think of ourselves as investors at the Innovation Lab. We think of ourselves as part of the management teams of the companies in which mm-hmm. we invest. Very interesting. So uh, I looked at your website, and it was actually very attractive, the Sixers Innovation website. It talks about getting office space and getting information infrastructure, getting advice, uh, even getting free food, which I thought was very attractive. You got it. Uh, but you know, I think the the to me it sounds like what you are really trying to do is to is to make it easier for entrepreneurs to sort of go through the you know the, the task of building a team. That right? you may you have a great it. idea, but how do you get a team together? You got it. You know, when I started and one, it was 1993. I started the day I graduated. My first year, I made eighteen hundred and twelve dollars. Um, and I say, you know, when I'm speaking with grad classes and undergrads, I didn't live off ramen. Mm-hmm. I lived off imitation ramen, mm. right? And so <laughs> I was really focused. And we, we literally had a shoebox in the first year where we would take money out, sometimes coins out for the weekends to figure out, all right, this is what we're going to live on for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so the things that entrepreneurs shouldn't be thinking about, quite frankly, is paying the bills, mm-hmm. health care, where are they going to live? Really simple things, quite frankly, that if you don't have money, then you got to think about. So we at the Sixers Lab, like you said, we want to make it easy for entrepreneurs to spend their entire 
waking hours thinking about their business. So we provide office space. We provide food. We provide free legal. In some cases, we provide housing. Mm -hmm. So if you come to the Sixers Innovation Lab, we say, look, we're going to give you every advantage you need that if you're a committed entrepreneur, we're going to give you every opportunity to succeed. Mm -hmm. You know, for, for kids, you know, and you think about it, when I graduated, two out of 800 was the number I was told of our graduating class from Wharton went from to the start their own business. Yes. And today, 20% go yes. start their own businesses. Their opportunity cost is still relatively high. Mm -hmm. But I know for sure that 100% of the graduate students at Wharton and probably 100% of the undergrad students here are capable of starting and succeeding in their own businesses right out of school without needing any traditional quote-unquote work experience. Right. So we want to make it easy as, po as easy as possible for those folks to and do And I think the interesting point, I think that's a fascinating point. And uh, You've, of course, demonstrated it yourself. You know, you're a living example of this. Um, I think part of what you're saying is that um, sharing infrastructure is important. You know, if, you're, if you have to have infrastructure to build it for a company that has no revenue, uh, you know, that infrastructure is going to be sort of not up to the mark, and that may itself be a limitation to the success of the product. That's totally right. And, and, and whether it is, it's, it's really interesting you're talking about Apple, right? And I totally agree with what you said. In my opinion, they've done an amazing job at, at allowing consumers to represent themselves through technology. Like mm -hmm. when I was a kid, it was what sneaker did you wear was the biggest right. way you could rep yourself. Today, one of it is what kind of phone do you have, mm -hmm. right? And, and, yes. and, what, and, and, and to the point is, um, if you don't have the best in class in whatever you're pursuing alongside of you, you're going to have a greater chance of failure. Mm -hmm. So... When you come to the Sixers Lab, we give you great office space. We give you great technology. We give you every advantage you need. Um, and, and I think that you know, the, I heard this great quote. The outcome of your life is a combination of luck and the quality of your decisions. You mm -hmm. think about it. That's right. it, right? right? That's it. Um, and, and so if you happen to be an entrepreneur in Philly or one that can come to Philly, we want to remove that element of luck. Mm -hmm. Right by saying, "Hey, we're going to give you every advantage you need to succeed." It's fascinating, and and so you have. Uh, how do you select the companies? I know that yeah, there's some broad parameters, but I'm just thinking aloud that there must be lots and lots of people interested in this. And uh, of course, you have a do you have an industry footprint as well that you're focused on, or a set of technologies, we, or we do. We we really like to focus on sports entertainment and technology. Mm -hmm. Having said that, you know we have. Uh, businesses, and we have investments in the apparel space, um, and we had invested in the in the pet space. But really, if you think about it, esports, sports business, sports gambling, entertainment, and the way those businesses interact with technology—that's mm -hmm. where we want to play. Mm -hmm. um, the question about how do we select is really an interesting one, right? Um, the we've seen over 800 applications to the lab in about two and a half years, and we've made eight investments. Mm -hmm. We look for something really simple. We want a, a smart management team that is incredibly committed and humble. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you're lacking any of those three, we're not going to make an investment. We've seen, you know, I don't see manage, many management teams, quite frankly, today that I'm not impressed with their intelligence. I'm usually in, in five minutes sitting mm -hmm. and looking across the table thinking, okay, they have a higher IQ, they're smarter, so we're good there. Mm -hmm. um, Usually, they're really committed and driven, or they wouldn't have made the decision to be entrepreneurs to begin with. Right. 
The third, the there's third, enough passion. Yeah. yeah, there's passion. The third to me is really important. We've passed on businesses when I felt the management teams didn't have an appropriate level of humility to, and the reason that is so important in my opinion is we all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? We're never going to make all the right decisions. It's really important to recognize, oh, I've made a mistake here. The best athletes, the best business people learn from their mistakes, and then they go ahead and they make new mistakes. Mm -hmm. So when I find there's a management team who they feel they have figured out all of the answers as opposed to trying to figure out all of the questions, Mm -hmm. those are the ones we pass on. We want a curious management team that wants to figure out the questions, knowing that in fact, in a lot of cases, technology today will help them figure out the right answer. So how long does a company stay within the innovation lab? What, can, are the gate, what are the gates you have in your process? Right. It's, that's a great question. It's supposed to be that when a company comes into the lab, we give them six months of free office space. I see. But the reality is most of our companies, we just had a bunch move out because they've grown so much. Right. We're there for at least two years. And so my thing is we don't want companies to leave until it makes total sense for them. Think mm-hmm. about it, I think about it this way. If we invest at a company at the seed stage, right. and it's growing, right. now it's an early stage company, I would rather stay close to those that early stage company. Right. That's when then it becomes a medium stage company. Right. Right. I've run a medium stage company, right? right? And so you know, the closer we can stay to our companies, we'd love to. Uh, one of our biggest successes, U.GG is an esports space, they were having a hard time hiring front-end and back-end developers here in Philly, uh, and so they actually moved to Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. The company has grown so much, it's the 2,000th biggest website in the world hmm. in just about a year and a half. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's a great business. It's amazing. Amazing. Uh, two Philly uh, kids, they uh, both were working at Susquehanna Investments hmm. and decided to chuck the financial world to go be entrepreneurs in the esports space. Wow. Right. So, yeah. So they they had, they effectively, but they were with us for over two years in the lab, had a team of 10. So you kind of actually give them, give them a lot of the, the sort of base support and also the inspiration and many other things. I, I would say what we try to do for kids that smart, I mean, Shingo Liu and Alan Liang are so smart. All I really try to do is provide some guidance for them keep them on the right track, uh, mm-hmm. they're going to make better decisions <laughs> on their own. Yeah. In case you're tuning in, you're listening to Mastering Innovation on Business Radio Powered by the Wharton School. I'm Harbir Singh, and here with me is Seth Berger, Managing Director of Sixers Innovation Lab, crafted by Kimball, and the founder and former CEO of And One. If you have a question, give us a call, 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. So this is really interesting because you have created the infrastructure. You're kind of uh, creating a, an opportunity, a huge opportunity. Um, and you began to talk about sort of applications program, sort of back-end programmers. So Philadelphia, there's a paradox with Philadelphia that we are one of the biggest university towns in the U.S. We have uh, major engineering colleges here. And yet many of the graduates go somewhere else. And... I know that uh, the city, but also the universities, Penn has its Penn ovation. Uh, so tell me about um, why we they could not get back-end support, programming support here, or was it just customized to their product? Yeah. There are many reasons, but I'm just curious. Right. So I don't know specifically on the technology side, but, but I'll answer the question about why entrepreneurs should be locating in Philly and why we mm-hmm. as investors should be looking in Philly. First of all, at the University of Pennsylvania, 
and with the Wharton School, you have two of the greatest institutions in the world mm-hmm. that grow and provide opportunities for people who will be amazing success stories, right? So for me, I come back and I speak at Wharton twice a year uh, and get to go to lunch at Pod with some students all the time. These folks are going to be amazingly successful. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the other reason I started my business in Philly. Uh, so I grew up in New York City, right? I grew up in the city. I'm a city kid. Mm-hmm. I came down here in 85. And, uh, and when I tell you a city kid, I'm a truly city kid. Like I sold soda at Yankee Stadium. I work construction. I played ball everywhere all over New York City. Hmm. And so when I came to Penn and then, and, and then here in grad school, I, I had thought in my mind for sure I mm-hmm. was going to go back to New York City when I started. Right? right. So I had a really interesting decision to make. So when I decided to start my business, I, back then it was really easy. I walked across the street to the Bursar's office and I maxed out on my student loans. I was like, okay, I'm, oh, I'm going to be broke. Yeah. I'm going to max out on my loans, and I'm going to have a visa. The best interest rate you can get. Uh, it was right. eight, Wait, it was better because it was 8.25%, but for the first five years, you didn't have to pay back principal. Right. So right. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to find a way to make this happen. Yeah. And so then, use your finance education for that. Right, and then, and then, <laughs> yeah. and then right, because I was a student, so I could yes. borrow whatever I wanted. Yes. And then I had a really interesting decision, right? I could go back and rent an apartment in the city that might not be bigger than this studio, and pay a couple thousand dollars a month rent, where I could live on a friend's, you know, living room floor and pay a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So the other reason that, in terms of starting a business in Philly, Philly's cheaper than New York significantly, oh, without, a doubt. without a doubt. So yes. it, you know, if 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 you go get Chinese food in New York, and and like when my wife, she's a saint. Our first dates. You know, our first date, I waited till she went to the bathroom to pay the bill because I didn't know which of my five credit cards was going to work. Mm-hmm. And for the first year, our, our dates were, are we going to watch the basketball games at your place or my place? And if it's really big, we were going to go out to a bar, right, mm-hmm. and maybe spend 20 bucks. Right, right. So you can actually and have a And that's important. People need to know the level of sacrifice or, you know, the uh, betting for the long term, what yeah. has to do? If you, right? if I mean, it, it, it's it's just. And, and the other thing is, um, if you're an entrepreneur in Philly and you're competing for venture capital dollars, you're in a smaller pool than if you're an entrepreneur in New York or an entrepreneur in San ah, Francisco. So that's the other side of it. Sure, very you know, interesting. I get if if I get to invest in someone who is here in Philly, I get to be closer to him or her. Mm-hmm. Well, she's also or he is competing with maybe ten other. Businesses looking for capital, as opposed to if you go to New York, I'm sure there are thousands, thousands. upon thousands. And of course, the uh, Bay Area, even Austin now. That's a fascinating point. So, you know, the whole issue of ecosystems. Uh, so, part of my role at Wharton um, has been to work with, uh, you know, foreign uh, institutions. And when I went to visit them, uh, we often met people from that particular major metropolitan area. So Singapore and Taipei and all these other places, they only had one question. How can we replicate Silicon Valley? That was the one <laughs> question everybody asked, no matter where they were. Doha, you know, pick your place. And and my answer always was that if people knew how to replicate Silicon Valley, you'll find 10 Silicon Valleys in New York, in the U.S. itself. That's right. But I think what you're talking about is fascinating because the roots of Silicon Valley were the universities and the venture capitalists. So Philadelphia actually has that. We have all of it. Yes. And, and by the way, you know, the, the uh, I'm biased, but the greatest city in the world is an hour train ride away. Mm-hmm. The center of the universe 
is two hours down in Washington, D.C. So you can get wherever you got to get from Philly. Um, and, 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 you know, with first round capital, I think Josh Koppelman is a great venture capitalist, yes, a great person. Yes, yes. And, and he's kind of he kind of led the charge uh, of creating this great community here in Philly. And so we're mm-hmm. trying to draft alongside uh, what oh, he's already started. Great, what, what a wonderful and you've done great things. In fact, let me ask you about your journey, you know, you and and uh, just to uh, give our listeners uh, some idea. You did your college degree from Penn. You also did an MBA. You started uh, and one uh, built it into a major, major brand, uh, you know, global brand, and then cashed out of that. And, and then you did other things and you became the head of Sixers Innovation Lab. Yes, so, so what a journey. So tell you. us more. The, the, like I said, the two things I've always wanted to do is have fun and make a difference. Mm-hmm. I, I've been incredibly lucky in every way. And anytime anyone tells you, in my opinion, that their success is based on hard work, their team, for sure, if they leave out the element of luck, mm-hmm. they're fooling themselves or they're trying to fool you. Yeah. Right? So I was born two parent family, mm-hmm. great parents, pushed me to succeed, married an amazing wife. And, uh, and, and, and in fact, you know, the way I got the job with the Sixers, it was 2016. In 2005, we sold N1. And at that point, I really wanted to make a difference in the world. And mm-hmm. for me, that is through coaching high school basketball at the Westtown School. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at that point, I started coaching. I've been a head coach there for 12 years. Um, the kids at Westtown are smart enough to go to Penn, and some are talented enough to play at Duke. We've had mm-hmm. four kids make the NBA. I think we'll have a few more in the next couple of years. And I also have kids that I coach who are in business, and I still mentor them in that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I've been so lucky to be in communities around people that believed in me and gave me opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Sixers Innovation Lab, the way I came to that is also luck. You know, I was 2016. My kids were kind of older, so as you have kids, you know, when they get to like 13 or 14 years old. They don't necessarily right, need or want right. much time from us, right? Right. So I was actually thinking about buying a business. Hmm. I was like, okay, you know, let me go re-engage in the business world. And Scott O'Neill, who's one of my closest friends, the CEO of Harris Blitzer Sports mm-hmm. and Entertainment, he called me and he said, hey, we're starting an innovation lab. Do you want to run it? Hmm. Now, all truth be told, I read the Wall Street Journal the first day I was here at grad school. Right. And that was the last I ever read the paper because there wasn't much that I understood <laughs> in that paper. <laughs> right. So I had to say to Scott, this sounds great, but I have to research and find out what an innovation lab is and, right. and then right. figure out how could the Sixers be unique in a pretty crowded space. And Scott right. said, I'm going right. to give you a blank piece of paper. Mm-hmm. The, the point of the blank piece of paper of this is I think entrepreneurs don't start businesses because the blank piece of paper is really scary. If you think about it. Yes. Right? When from the time you're born. In fact, that's I wanted to ask you about yeah, that. It's, right. What time what time do I need to wake up? What time do I need to be at school? What's my dress code? How many vacation days do I get at work? All the decisions that are made for you. Right. When you're an entrepreneur, it's a blank piece of paper. Uh, that is terrifying and at the same time an incredible amount of freedom. So Scott gave me this freedom mm-hmm. to say, hey, let's go create an innovation lab together. And it's right. been amazing. You know, and on that note, I was, I in fact had a, a closely related question, yeah. and that is um, because we see so many bright students here, there are a lot of bright people in 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 the academic community, and I think the shifting from decision to action is a is is a major shift. And you talked about the blank piece of paper, but it's more than that, right? It's also sort of I have an idea, but you know maybe ten other people have this idea, and so 
maybe I won't pursue it. Or I'll pursue it, but then, you know, there's, there, there are a few bumps, several bumps in the road. So tell me about this tension between acting and then changing. It's a great question. And, and, and I think the most important point here is this. There are very, very few ideas that are amazing light bulbs. Business is all about execution. That's a great it's point. the same thing on a basketball team. You can put a great play on a piece of paper. Someone else already did it. How well does your team execute? So, you know, th- there's this great example. There's a business across the street, Honeygrow. Right. I did not invest in Honeygrow. Mm-hmm. When I met the founder, he had two stores. I was like, this is not that unique. But he's figured out how to execute in how a way execute. that's made this. So my thing is, if it's not your idea that's and and when we started and one quite frankly mm-hmm. when i graduated it was supposed to be a database marketing business to basketball players i was oh, da- oh, six really? weeks so in. tell me again it was a database business the, it was the and one database marketing business so it was database okay right we were right. this before the internet in before the sure, sure, yeah, we were yeah. going to acquire lists of right. thousands of basketball players who right. bought millions of dollars sell the list to nike and footlocker it was one of the very few good grades I got in grad school. Hmm. I went to a trade show six weeks in, and every company said, this is a terrible idea. It's not going to work. Oh, really? Not going to work. Hmm. But at that trade show, we had seen four or five startup apparel brands in the basketball space. Hmm. My partners, Tom Austin, Jay Gilbert, and I thought, we could make better gear than that. Now let's go execute. Hmm. And literally, that was the formation of and won the basketball footwear and apparel company. Fascinating. And yeah. at every step, it's always about execution. It's almost never the idea. And it's the bias for action, right? I mean, I think that's the uh, that's hard to teach, and some people have it, and I think that helps a lot. You know, the, there's a great twist in the Apple story that nobody fully understands, um, or at least it's not very wi- not widely understood, and that is that. Apple lost to Microsoft in the first round because of the closed architecture. When they came back, they came in with a, again a closed but a somewhat more open architecture. He had the they had the the App Store, but in fact the the App Store idea came from subordinates to Steve Jobs because he still had a bias. I'll give you a great uh, and he re- made a turn. He turned one eighty degrees. Give you an example. So one of An One's greatest successes was the An One mixtape tour. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, this, yes, I remember reading about it. Okay, that, right. right. So this was a so tell us what it was. This was a so this is a, a videotape that we gave away uh, in stores in foot action of mm-hmm. basketball to music, which turned into a tour of sixty cities internationally, which turned into the number one rated male teen show on ESPN in a show called Streetball. Mm-hmm. The idea for that entire thing did not come from anyone within N One. It came from a twenty three year old kid who had just started at our advertising agency. We were having on your annual get together with 15 or 20 people talking about the brand. Mm-hmm. And he said, you guys should put it, take that tape that you got there of this all-star game in New York, the Rucker game, mm-hmm. uh, the Rucker all-star games, great event. It's basketball that people outside New York City have not seen. You should put it to music and people are gonna love it. And I was like, this make, really? <laughs> like, you know, at that time, I think I was probably uh, 31, mm-hmm. maybe 30. And I was like, come on, like, who? who? He was like, no, no, trust me. You, Seth, are now 31. You're a little bit past the market. You're past the market. You're past the market. <laughs> and yeah, so all we did it. was listen. And we were like, and it turned out to be. But but you li- you listened and listened, acted on it, right? That's, that's right. the listen. thing. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the, the, the point of humility, right? Is right. 
I'm happy to say, I'm going to be better if I say I don't know the answer and listen to people around me that do than if I know all the answers. If I have 10 smart people around me giving giving me all the answers all the time, all I have to do is execute. At N1, the reality is I had two partners in Jay Gilbert who were incredibly creative minds, incredibly smart people, and I thought my job as CEO was to make sure that our team executed their ideas. At the Sixers Innovation Lab, quite frankly, what I'm trying to do is find entrepreneurs and teams that have really good ideas but are stone cold focused on execution. If they spend too much time talking about their ideas, they're wasting time, the need to go execute. And I think that's a a fascinating idea. Uh, One more question I have is the tension between having, you know, I mean, you went to very, very good schools, you were among a lot of bright people, you know, so you have to have conviction on your own ideas, right? And then uh, tell me about that versus listening and saying, you know, I'm wrong over here. Some of these are personality traits. Yeah. But we do tell our students, you know, that uh, you really need to listen and actively listen. But you know, people think they're right. They say, you know, I have a better... So so this, tell me more about, this may have been natural for you, but it could have also have been something you were actively telling yourself. I, I think I'm really focused on getting to the right answer. The way you're going to get to the right answer, in my opinion... So is you're to driving pr- towards an answer, dri- right. and then you're listening. It's not that you're listening to everything. You're driving towards an answer. Right. So m- the way I think I get to the right answer is I prove myself wrong over and over and over. And eventually, when I can't prove myself wrong then I feel like I've gotten to a right answer. If what I do early in the process is try to prove to myself that I'm right, then I'm going to miss some pretty big minefields yes. along the way. Um, and, and you know, I think that as an entrepreneur, as a coach, as a parent, mm-hmm. if what we come to it with is I know the right answers, we're not going to get there. And, and in business today specifically, yes, technology makes it so easy for businesses to test their hypotheses. I'll give an example. I was talking to a company based in Philly last week. They came in and they said, yes, we charge um, 20 bucks a month for our product. Mm -hmm. And I said, why? They said, well, that's the price that we think our consumers, our customers are going to pay. Mm. I said, have you tested it? Good point. Right, they said, no. I said, listen, you, it might should be that you should be charging five. Maybe you should be charging 50. Yes. But technology today makes it so easy to test anything that we think we can now go test. That is true. You can use it. You can run an experiment. Absolutely, right? on very anything. Interesting point. Very interesting point. So I, my last question is just, uh, you know, the university campus here. What are my, what's the main advice you'll give? Two things that our students should focus yeah. on. Uh, so I, I bring up Josh Kaufman and, and first round capital. The, the they did a study over 10 years of their investing, and they found that the younger the entrepreneurs, the mm-hmm. more likely they were to succeed. So mm-hmm. I started and one. I was 25. I think I was the second youngest person graduating from Wharton grad at the time. I had no business experience. I'd worked in politics before I came to grad school, mm-hmm. and I surrounded myself with great teammates. Is that before you get, if you're thinking of starting a business, right. before you get used to a six-figure salary, an expensive car, a nice house, and really nice vacations, go start a business while you're broke. Go start a business while you're broke. And and because once you get comfortable, it's really hard to go back. Um, And I I truly believe that, um, 
you know, like I said, I came to Wharton with no business experience. I was a average at best grad student here. I mean, I felt like I was in the middle of the group uh, in terms of IQ, that if I at 25 could have graduated and started a business that ended up being successful like and one, I know all of them, literally all of them could today. So we can hear your humility again. Uh, Seth, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Harbir. My pleasure. How can people remain in touch? I'm sure lots of people are going to try to reach you. Sure. Please email me at sberger, B-E-R-G-E-R, at hbse.com. I promise to give back to everyone that emails. Uh, Any way that I can help anyone that's thinking about starting a business, I would love to. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 